can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? I really liked that acquisition. I think that he's going to shock some folks. Very interested in Shane Green. There must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter because damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring. Given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. By the way, I got to give you credit on Federovich. I know you. I've heard you talk. I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. Welcome to episode 212 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. It is your Thursday edition. I am Paul Spohr, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, good day, sir. How are you? I'm quite well. I'm doing I'm doing very well. Weather's beautiful. We're inching closer and closer to opening day. I mean, there's a lot to be happy about. And frankly, let's just be honest, it was payday uh, in the Fangraphs world, so... I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty geeked about that too. <laughs> um, and yourself, feeling better? Uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest night. Uh, my son, for some reason, decided to wake up at 6 a.m. He peed through all of his, uh, oh, no. un- his underwear, so I had to wash underwear while I was chatting today and then run him in. And... But the weather's nice. It's almost baseball time, and uh, the post I wrote today was just all about nutty curves, so I was just making gifs of curves and that was fun that, so. that is something uh that is fun to do is is, is make awesome gifts and I'm, I'm i'm a hard g guy i'm a gif guy i'm not a <laughs> not a peanut butter guy so I, I, we gotta disagree on that but yeah um when you when you're making gifts of sweet pitches that's always fun and by the way another thing that's cool at least on my end mlb the show came out so you know playing the latest version of that when i can too so it's it's all good now it's it's baseball focused and it's all good we are going to talk some news and then i uh, got a little bit of a special thing obviously we finished up all of our positional previews so uh we got a little bit of a special game so to speak planned for later but let's talk some news first a uh, little unclear on on what's going to happen here but curtis granderson did leave the game today with uh, after being hit in the hit in the knee by a pitch and honestly, I'm starting to get a little bit annoyed by this because wasn't it uh, in spring training with the Yankees when he was hit by a pitch and, and missed time, uh, like the, the very first game? I mean, can people stop hitting Curtis Granderson in, in spring training? It's really annoying. Yeah, and he, you know, he, he's been having a good spring, and a lot of people are attributing it to working with his old, his old hitting coach, Kevin Long. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I think uh, personally, I think he's one of these sort of high whiff, uh, high walk guys that needs to learn his league a little bit. And even though there's a lot more interleague play these days, you still you still play, you know, your division and your league more often. And, you know, there were new pitchers for him. So I think uh, getting to know the league there, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit more optimistic about him than I was earlier in the spring. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty geeked on him. And this is not great. <laughs> it's not. Uh, all the news since the afternoon, since it happened, uh, we're, we're late afternoon now, suggests that he's going to be fine, just some bruising and swelling. So hopefully it's all good. Like you said, he's having a great spring, uh, which is nice to see, again, because he is because of who he is working with, his old, his old hitting coach there. Again, I'm very optimistic on him, although some people will just think it's because – 
I named my dog after him. He's a former tiger, and I really like him. But uh-huh. you know, I could be I can be uh, objective as well, and I just think that he's a guy who uh, has a chance to be a big time uh, home run asset. Who you get late, you're not you're not expecting batting average out of him. But he could even, I think, surprise and maybe be like a 260-ish guy if everything broke right. And then all of a sudden, uh, he's, he's not necessarily a net asset there, but he's not killing you the way he had uh, last year when Granderson hit like 220 or something. So we'll, we'll stay tuned on that. But but so far, the early reports are that that's not going to be uh, totally damaging the way it was the last time he got hit in spring training, like I said, with the Yankees when he missed time. Other news that is not so good, and uh, Jason and I briefly spoke about this because we knew he was hurt, uh, but now we got official word on Coco Crisp. Six to eight weeks with elbow surgery. Ugh, that's not great. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who has battled injuries throughout his career. He has two ga- uh, two seasons of 145 games that stand as his career highs. Uh, but beyond that, it looks like, let's see here, if I do that. Divided by that, 109 games on average is is what he what he plays throughout his 13 year career. Now he's been at 120 plus for each of the last four years, which I know doesn't sound like much, but for a guy like him, I'd I'd actually take that because he can do a lot in 120 games. But something that Jason and I talked about yesterday with Crisp is that when you look at the bottom line number of uh, for a value that he delivers, the chances are you didn't get that full. 14, 18, 22, whatever dollars that that, that your projection uh, system suggests that he earned because of how often he's nicked and bruised, missing a couple games here, a couple games there. And if he's not in your lineup for all the games that he played, then you didn't get the full value. So he's a tough guy to own, and I, I think you really have to downgrade him in weekly leagues. In daily leagues, I th- uh, you know, ones where you can make daily transactions, I still think Crisp can be an asset. But it, it, as now we inch up, 35 years old, it's tough to get too psyched about Coco Crisp. Where are you after an elbow surgery now? Yeah, I mean, he, that is there were all these ways that he that he stole from you. Also, he stole from his own value. I should say he did not. Uh, Coco Crisp did not steal from you. Oh, well, but uh, you don't know that. I mean, there, we could have a listener <laughs> out there who he took a couple bucks from or took a took a bike no, from. No, I didn't mean. You know, also he he's been um, falling behind as a left against lefty uh, pitchers. Exactly. So he's a, he's a switch hitter, but you know, from the right side of the plate, he's he hasn't been so great recently. He's been platooned a lot, so the platoons, the injuries uh, have been ways that he's taken away. He, you know, he's he's been a good daily league player if you stay on top of your lineups and 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 uh, just didn't pay much for him and uh, you know do it that way so maybe the absolute best bet now as as we really you know obviously first we gotta wait to see him come back and 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 start playing again but maybe the best bet is to just play him in in actual daily games dfs the the one-off games when he's going against a a cake righty that you that you can get him for because uh you know he can hit home and away so you don't it's okay if it's in oakland but just Put him up against some tomato can righties. His price is unlikely to be through the roof, especially when he first comes back. And maybe that's just your best deployment of Crisp because you can't really trust him in any other format. Yeah, the, what does happen here though is that the door is open here for Billy Burns. Big time. And, you know, he led the he led spring training in hits, and I'm not so interested in that. Um, you know, that could be just a Babbitt thing. It's 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 really, you know, a couple weeks of, of play. But it's nice to see that he's putting the ball in play because that's a big deal for him. If he if his strikeout rate jumps to league average when he gets to the big leagues, then he's not going to be that good. 
So he needs to keep his strikeout rate in the sort of 12 to 15 percent range, which, you know, projections say he can maybe do that. And his his minor league career says he can maybe do that. But we have to see it first. And Zip says 18.5, which would be a kind of a bad outcome for him, I think. So uh, what league? He also had double digit walk rates in the minors and, and Zips and, and Seamer both give him below average walk rates. So I think there's actually upside beyond his projections. And, you know, the, I think they probably regressed his walk rate heavily because he has no power and they just figured that uh, major league pitchers are going to go Challenge right after. Him. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what kind of league format would you take a gamble on Burns? How, how, how deep does it have to be? 10 team? Probably not unless you're using massive uh, reserve rosters. And a 14%. Well, I mean, even better I mean, because if he has a 9% walk rate and a 14% uh, strikeout rate, then he can hit like 260, 270. If he can hit 260, 270, then you know he might beat Sam Fold. Well, yeah. In of, even when Coco's healthy. So so keep Burns on your radar. I I think honestly if if I'm in a 12 team mixer and I really came out of the draft without some speed, I might take a gamble. Like I said, 10 team you probably don't have to. 12 teams probably right there on the fringe too. But obviously AL only. Yeah, uh, might have already been drafted to begin with, but deep uh, 15 team mixer. Go see Billy Burns if you need speed. Th- this could be a, this could be a nice pickup. What about, what about so I mean the guys that people are looking at Rajai Davis doesn't really have a, a starting role right now, right? Tr- correct. He's he uh, ghost first off having an amazing spring, which definitely going to solidify him as the primary center fielder. Not to mention the fact that Rajay doesn't hit righties very well at all anyway. So he was pretty much always going to be a short side platoon guy. So if ghost can hold his own, yeah, Davis is going to be on the short side. So Everth Cabrera, you know, has his flaws and, and may not be, it doesn't really have as much of a window, I think per se, mm-hmm. as, uh, as Billy Burns has here, I think because um, Cabrera, you know, Hardy is supposedly going to be back, um, you know, when the, when the shoulder heals, uh, you know, and that's, he says a the first day back after his DL stint or whatever. Well, yeah, so you might all- he's going to get the, two week window. Hardy's going to get Let's- the shot right away. So the, you're, it's a good call there that, but scope scope's been, scope's been exactly who scope is during spring. So I, I think the window is still there for Cabrera. So I would have a harder time with Cabrera because Billy Burns could just be up for two weeks and go back down. Um, you know, that is kind of how, uh, because you know, there might be a 40 man thing that Billy Bean has to do in order to keep Billy Bean up. You know what I mean? True. There might have to be a dropper and Billy Bean hates, uh, drop and play. Just getting rid so. of get rid, getting rid of guys exactly. So no, I'm with you 100 percent on Cabrera. First off, he's a shortstop qualification guy, so that's going to yeah. help. And uh, he's somebody I've been pumping as a late guy anyway. Like you said, scope, kind of that power only, nothing else, literally nothing else. So that that window should stay open even when Hardy returns. But I don't believe that Cabrera will necessarily be playing short. But as long as he qualifies there, we don't care where he plays. Yeah, and Burns Burns over Davis. You know, I, I like Rajai Davis, and I'm and I'm worried about Goza's strikeout rate. But you're right, the handedness there makes for a natural platoon uh, where Rajai gets to the wrong side of the platoon. So, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, he's right up there. I think Billy Burns is right up there with him. At least you get a couple of good weeks out of him. I think that, you know, I think they'll probably platoon fold and and um, and Gentry because those are just platoonable guys. Exactly. And then 
you know, let Billy Burns sort of run free. So well, that that, that that's uh, that's good. Then I, I agree with you there. Let's move on to to the Tigers here. We got some triceps and biceps causing some issues. A couple guys sent to the DL: Verlander, Justin Verlander with the triceps, Bruce Rondon with the biceps, both headed to the DL. Verlander's talking like he's going to make it back in time to make the April 12th start, uh, basically as the fifth starter of the club. That remains to be seen. Listen, we've seen his value kind of uh, – it was started super low when, when draft season started all the way back in maybe like January, I guess you could say it started, at least trickled a little bit with mock drafts. It spiked a little bit but never really got too high. I would say maybe started going in like the uh, early double-digit rounds uh, after starting in the in the late double-digit rounds. And now he's back down to mid-double-digit or late-double-digit rounds for Verlander uh, in terms of uh, teens, I'm sh- I should say. So he's, he started in the 18-19 range, spiked up to maybe 11-13 area, and now he's back in that 16-18 to 18 round range. There are people who are a thousand percent out on Verlander. There are others who still believe I consider myself part of the, of the latter camp uh, because I just I think he's got enough stuff to succeed without rota- uh, without the velocity that w- we saw from him at his heyday. But I am getting nervous because he got he got popped around in spring a bit. And it was a lot of homers too. But he could have just been working on stuff. He strikes me as a guy who would go out there and just throw 20 of the same pitch in a row. Results be damned. So I'm just – I'm torn. I'm not going to overreact to the uh, to the spring numbers, but I'm obviously a little bit peeved by the injury here. What are you doing with Verlander? Yeah, I, uh, we keep we... – <laughs> I, I know we've we probably asked this. We probably have 20 <laughs> clips that we can say between me asking you and Jason, what are you doing with Verlander? I know it's getting tired, but things do kind of keep evolving or, or not necessarily evolving, devolving in this case, but they keep changing enough that I think we have to keep asking the question. Well, you know, a seven K nine in the spring is not great. Um, well, maybe I'm looking at his, Yearly numbers. I think he's got last... he's got six. He had sixteen, um, or or maybe sixteen and twenty innings or something. I thought I heard or or something like that. I, I don't know. I I haven't looked them up, but I heard uh, on on the broadcast today they had mentioned it. So that's just spitballing off the top of my head. There, it wasn't one. It wasn't one per inning though, which is what you'd want to see out of somebody with his stuff because his secondary stuff is still excellent and he hasn't been there. Um, and so the, the numbers for Verlander, they just. They just have not been there. Okay, I got it now. Ten in sixteen innings, so that puts them at that's, yeah, good. that's five point six. That's worse than last year's six point seven, which wasn't good at all. So uh, it's worth. I think I'm out. You're out totally. I just, I mean, I don't have any shares. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any shares, and you know, I, w- I had a, a recent draft where I ended up at like seventy-seven percent. Um, uh, it was an auction draft. And I ended up at 77% hitting. And uh, because uh, I got Jorge Soler, uh, you know, it was kind of funny. I had, um, what, what is it? I had like, I had five bucks um, listed for my second utility player mm-hmm. and, uh, and 10 bucks listed for my second starter. And I ended up buying Jorge Soler for $15. So you just had to go all one, the $1 the rest of the way. Yeah, and these are the guys that I picked. I think Verlander actually went for a couple bucks, but uh, no, Verlander went for a dollar. Oh and instead of Verlander, um, I'm pretty sure Verlander went for a dollar. I-, I can check. But in any case, the guys I picked over him, Taiwan Walker, CC Sabathia, um, Ian Kennedy, 
uh, Jose Quintana, yeah, Drew Hudson. The only one I disagree on is is Sabathia, Sabathia, and and we already had that discussion a couple days ago, and we were said that you know we're split on those two, but I, but I get it. It's not like I'm going to sit yeah. here and clown you for it. It's just it's just a, a difference of opinion. But the other ones are slam dunks. I take the gamble on Walker right now. Uh, even as somebody who who kind of still buys Verlander, I would, particularly with this injury, I would definitely take the gamble on Walker ahead of him. Uh, Kennedy and Hutchison, th- those are those are pretty easy. Pitching is just a young man's game. I mean, the one thing that happens that we've seen is that a starting pitcher. As he ages, the velocity just goes down from the beginning. Hundred percent, it has to. And for relievers too. And so, um, what's interesting is that the starting pitchers that stay in the big leagues. So that's there's a survivor bias into any aging curve that you do no because doubt. you can't t- test the guys who didn't who didn't stay. They don't give you any stats. So um, you know the guys that stay in the league, they keep the ERA there, but their strikeout rate goes down. And among the relievers, what happens is as their velocity goes down, their strikeout rate just goes down and their ERA gets worse. Everything gets worse. So relievers, I think they have fewer pitches, right? Mm-hmm. So they have two pitches, and if one of their pitches doesn't go as fast anymore, everything sucks. But starters have more pitches. They can add pitches. They can throw in the cutter. They can do this. They can add a wrinkle, and they can start throwing them in different orders and, and, and do different things. I mean, think about it, what Tim Hudson looks like today and what he looked like when he was young. So, you know, I feel like the, that there are ways for you to, to – to, especially if you have command. If you have command, I think there are ways for you to get around it. But, you know, Verlander is is sort of striking me as a little bit more Tim Lincecum than I thought, you know, where I'm not sure that he has, like, the best. I mean, he, he's always had okay walk rates, but I'm not sure that he has the best command. I think that a lot of it has been, you know, I'm going to throw it in the general heart part of the zone on heart, but I'm going to gener- throw it generally towards the zone. And the natural movement on all my pitches and velocity will make me really hard to hit, whereas now... He doesn't really necessarily have as much movement and velocity, and um, I, I feel like his walk rate's going to go up and his strikeout rate's going to go down, and you know, and and now you can't even say, well, he's fully healthy, so he hasn't had the core surgery. Yeah, because so, he's not. Um, yeah. Now the one thing that I thought, uh, at least whenever I was watching Verlander, uh, you know, kind of in his in his heyday there, was the fact that his secondary stuff was so good. I thought he'd be able to survive with the lower velocity, but like you said, now. That, that velocity definitely played a role. I just thought that the secondary stuff was sharp enough. Well, we let's think secondary stuff yep. is still great. And that's a great point. That's a great freaking point. <laughs> yeah, and right. I know people keep making that comparison, and it pisses me off, I think, only because it, it, it might be it's true. Not obvious. It's not as obvious. It's not as obvious because Lincecum – it would be more obvious if – uh, I think there are other there are other better comparisons. Uh, uh, maybe a Carrasco later on in his career or whatever, but – um, uh, you know, it's not as obvious. Yeah, because... I, I agree. I, th- I think it's just because they both were, uh, you know, top starter in the game oh, recently. Yeah. Uh, you know, within their careers here, he, Linscom had the two Cy Youngs, Verlander had the Cy Young MVP super season, and then the second place finish the next year. So they they fell from that same perch. I think that's what it is because they don't have a lot of parallels other than that. More like a like a Matt Moore or something could have a Linscom ending because. Yep. You know, I, I think you, I would, when I think of Lincecum, I think of like four walks per nine, four plus walks per nine. And, and Verlander never really did that. So last, but. last bit of uh last bit of news here, a uh, late one coming in. Rusni Castillo was optioned to triple a 
I don't know that this is a huge shock because it's something that had been rumored now for a while with the fact that they, the, the Red Sox came out and backed Shane Victorino, said, you know what, he's a starter. This is how it's going to be. We knew uh, Mookie Betts. I think he's hitting uh, 1,200, which, yes, he's, he has more hits than than, than at-bats uh, this spring training. That's how good Mookie Betts is. He's hitting 1,200. Um, I, 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 obviously, he's not going anywhere. They signed Hanley to a trillion-dollar deal. He's the left fielder. So the outfield was set once they, they backed Victorino. Dorino, so Castillo had to go down. For me, I'm not that worried about it. Uh, I, I just don't think that they're going to pay him 10 mil, uh, 10 plus mil to play in Pawtucket all year. And frankly, I just don't see Victorino holding up all year, not to mention the fact that it's not like Hanley's the model of health either. Because the second that this news came out, I talked about, uh, I, I tweeted out about the games played the last two years for both of these guys, and it's it's not special. 86 and 128 for Hanley, 122 and 30 for Victorino. Now, in those 122 for Victorino back in 2013, he had like five plus wins. He was ridiculous. So I understand that there's talent, but at his age level, I think he's going to be 35 or 34 this year. It doesn't automatically mean that he's going to have a slow decline. He could just he could just have have plateaued or, or uh, dropped off a cliff now, and and be this kind of new guy who can't stay healthy and isn't terribly good when he does play. So I'm still buying Rusney. Um, I, the shares I bought came at a discount because I think folks were worried about him, and so I would take an even bigger discount this weekend if I still had drafts left. Yeah, I mean, Victorino was hasn't been the picture of health for a while, and even even when he was in, um, he was he's starting to fade from one side of the uh, from one side of the, the plate, um, and uh, always has the risk of being a short side platoon guy, um, even if he's doing okay. Uh, he, you know, I, I think that um, you're right that it could just fall off the plate, and I think it's a little bit more about what the injury was than necessarily his age. I think the back stuff is sort of all or nothing. I mean, it's not, you know, the back is just so so key to everything. And, and if you can't get out there and play every day, I mean, just look at the, the kind of stuff like Marco Scudero, the problems that he's having. He can't even, he, he tried to play a little bit recently and he just, he just looked uncomfortable the entire time and just couldn't do it. You just can't do the same athletic movements. So I feel like, you know, what this is right now is a bet to, is a bet that Victorino's healthy and they're going to try and play him every day. And if he can't play every day, then they have to really think about everything over and over again. Because in the spring, you, you know, you're not really playing every day and you're not, you know, playing the same nine inning games. Exactly. And the same. So this is a bet that they're going to say, okay, we're going to take, we're going to take the veterans north and, and maybe we create a little trade value for Alan Craig in the meantime by playing him some. Uh, because right now, I think Craig has no uh, no trade value. No, uh, and yeah, then they, they'd be bottoming out if they try. You know, I think he could go latch on with somebody and do well, but yeah, that'd be a total loss for the Red Sox because nobody would give anything to take that gamble, knowing full full well that hey man, let's try to get him on the sly here and get something. So yeah, you're right. There, there's no there's no upside to so trading. It's like a little bit of like a it's like a keeping it's keeping all your assets as long as possible. I think because. You know, I think they could, I mean, they could, you could make a case. I mean, I think it'd be easy to make a case. The team would be better if they kept Daniel Nava, who's a switch hitter, mm -hmm. uh, dropped Alan Craig off the roster and had Rosnay Castillo in there as part of the outfield, you know. Sure. If you're, if you're taking your best 25 without regard for, for losing assets for no, nothing, yeah. excuse me, you're 100% you're right. 
then they lose, then they lose Craig, um, who they traded for and who they have some hope for. Uh, so this is, I think, maybe a play to see. Maybe we can fomate some interest, interest in Craig. Maybe somebody calls us about Victorino. Maybe Victorino gets hurt. Maybe Hanley gets hurt. Um, maybe Dan, uh, Dustin Pedroia gets hurt, and and all this stuff uh, figures itself out. Don't these things so. always figure themselves out? I mean, uh, honestly, anytime that we come out of spring saying Team X has too much of asset Y, <laughs> it always works out, and usually for, his arm. <laughs> usually for a bad reason because it means somebody gets hurt, and and you never want anybody to get hurt. But it always plays itself out, you know. Think about how badly people wanted the Nats to trade someone, and and you know they're still riding with their with their core five right now. But if you think that they're getting through the full season with those five each making thirty two starts, frankly, you're stupid if you're going to bet on that. But because it, it's, it's just not going to happen. So you know, said the Mets had too many arms, yep. and you know now Wheeler's down, and now they're still in a good spot to to maybe even continue to get better just because they didn't really trade a a pitcher because now. It's Syndergaard, Montero, and G instead of, uh, oh, G, we need all three of these guys to pitch. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, if they had traded G, then they're relying on two unproven rookies. Or actually, I think uh, Montero expired his rookie status last year. But you know what I mean? Two super yeah. young guys. And then what happens if you get another injury? Then all of a sudden you need both. Exactly. So that, that that's a better example than the Nats because the Nats are still in place right now with their five. But uh, everyone wanted them to trade somebody right when they got Scherzer. And I'm like, nah, just hang on because it's pitching for one. Yeah. Uh, you got to be crazy with that. So just sit tight if you've got Castillo. If you trade him you, – you, in fantasy right now, you're basically doing what the Red Sox would be doing with Craig. You you would be selling low, uh, where where your trade partner would say, "Nah, I'm not going to really give you anything because it's a Triple A guy," and you'd be selling way too low. So just sit tight; it'll play itself out. All right, you know. Now we're going to play uh, play a little game here. And I was going through some of the leaderboards, and I was looking, you know, just kind of at different guys and thinking about where they were drafted last year and and, and how many high-impact guys get drafted much later than we might expect. And I kind of used pick 200 as a cutoff. I guess that's a 10th round, or that's the 20th round in a 10-teamer, 17th round in a 12-teamer, and the 13th round or later in a 15-teamer. You start getting high-quality assets after that, after those rounds. That's big time. Obviously, the free agent pool will deliver some gems over the course of the year too. So what we're going to do is we're going to play uh, a game called Guy Most Likely Two, and then that's fill in the blank there. Chris Carter had 37 homers last year. Drafted super late after pick 200. Ben Revere, 49 stolen bases. We all know Corey Kluber won the AL Cy Young. Tyson Ross had 195 strikeouts. These guys were all drafted to, uh, after pick 200 or later. So we're going to look at some potential star impact guys after pick 200. Uh, this is based on Fantasy Pros ADPs. And we're just going to take some shots and, and see if we can figure out some guys who are going to do certain things. First thing we're going to do is uh, pick a guy who might be able to get 35 homers realistically this year who's going after pick 200. So who do you got uh, for that one? You know what's amazing? And this is just how projections work because projections push everybody towards the middle. And it's why we don't really have teams winning more than 90 games or so uh, in our projections. Mm -hmm. But there are only two players projected to, to hit 35 homers next year. That's crazy. So that's 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 including all of the first round picks that you're hoping will hit exactly. Homers. So um, you know th those uh, those two are 
not I, ima- I imagine Stanton and maybe um, maybe Stanton Carter and, himself. Stanton Abreu. Stanton Abreu. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so then I, I you know, uh, just to check my work because you know I I picked my name without looking at this, but just to check my work, I went and then went through. Uh, the projections, and then tried to find the guy with the highest projected home run total that was picked after 200. Okay. Do you think you can guess who that is? Um, Oswaldo Arcia. Yeah. Oh, sweet. <laughs> sweet. Well, that was that was really well done. Um, but anyway, I and I and I think that's a decent one, and I and we should talk about him just for a second, just because of that fact sure, alone. I sure. Sure. No, I agree. Uh, I'm going to take a guy that was picked uh, two that, that has is projected for two fewer homers, uh, so he's about ten ten guys lower on the projections list. Uh, but he's in a much better situation, uh, and that's Chris Davis in in Milwaukee. Oh yeah, I had him as one of my, my one of my guys. So uh, for those listening, we made our lists independently, and I had multiple guys at every at every juncture so that Eno could have his first pick, and I and I could alter if I had to. So Chris Davis hit the cutting room floor for me, but that's a great name, and that's Chris with the K. So talk to us a little bit about him, and then we'll circle back to Arcia because I think that's a good name too. Uh, well, th- I just wanted to point out that, uh, you know, Josh Donaldson hit the ball 291 feet last year with a, a sort of a 4% um, angle or a 4-degree four, a four angle. That means uh, on the sort of pull-to-push to ratio, he, he was slightly pulled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in any case, those two, those two things have been shown by Podhortzer and, and Chad Young to be relevant to your expected home runs per fly ball rate. Chris Davis hit the ball 291 feet with a 5-degree five, five angle. So... You know, if you look around where they are in 290 feet, uh, you've got it kind of goes from Puig and McCutcheon. Trout was uh, at 291 feet, 292 feet. Ozuna, 292 feet. Those are five degree angles, just like Christopher Davis. Uh, so, in terms of what happens when Chris Davis puts the ball in play in the air, it it looks. I mean, it's not that far from Trout. Mm-hmm. It's not that far from Josh Donaldson. If you watch him play. He's a, a very powerful young man. He had very good power stats in the minor leagues. He he came up and lit the world on fire in his in his rookie season. And last year in his adjustment period. And 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 honestly, there were some things he did wrong. And you know, I think that the walk rate going down really meant that he was being less selective. And you know, he's always risky as a right-hander. But you know, they let him play 550 plate appearances. So I don't think they're they're thinking about him as a platoon guy. And, uh, you know, if they if you gave him 650 plate appearances last year, you inch him to about 25, 26 homers, you know, and now he's uh, he's 27, 28. So, you know, things aren't lining up perfectly for him, but it it does. It is a little bit like Chris Carter, where it's like, here's a guy who's flawed, but is looking like he's going to have a role. He's in a really nice home park. And we know he has power. Good call on Chris Davis, uh, or Chris with a K. Christopher, as you called him. I, li- I like that as a distinction between he and the Baltimore Chris Davis. And it's not like Gerardo Parra's ripping it up and going to force his way into playing time either. I mean, he had uh, 574 plate appearances last year of a 677 OPS. So I don't think he's a huge threat to take a ton of time. Uh, Parra himself only has like the one above average year, which was all the way back in 2011 now. So I think the playing time is a little bit more secure than I think some people believe with him. 
Uh, Arcia was one of the names I had. Honestly, I wanted to pick Granderson here, but uh, the knee, uh, if he just misses some time, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flake out on that one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a pass. My guy's going to be Mike Napoli, and I know he's never done it before, and staying healthy is, is not – uh, a, a strong suit of his because I think he's only got maybe three seasons of, of 500 plus plate appearances. So it's going to, it would take a lot, but I think um, I, I'm buying a bit into this, this uh, sleep apnea surgery here. That's going to reinvigorate him, energize him a bit. It's not like he was bad last year. He was still a net positive player, but he was limited to just the 500 plate appearances after 578 the year before. Uh, we have seen a 30 homer season from him, but that was back all the way in 2011. So again, a set a steady 20 uh 20s homer guy for several years before last year's dipping to 17 it would take a jump you know basically has to double he has to more than double uh because they had uh, 34 there uh, would be double but i feel like he's gonna go on a big power surge i like mike napoli for a huge year so that's my pick there now let's talk a little bit about arcia unless you want to say good something about nap, napoli. Nap, good old nap nap wiener <laughs> I, I would just wanted to point out that I had uh, that I had Napoli down for my uh, 25 homer guy. Perfect. Uh, but uh, I've got another name I can talk about there. I mean, w- w- that's I, not to. Well, I did just do it, but that was the next one on your list. Is yeah, no, that, that's all right though. That's a, that, that's because I think we'll have overlap uh, on things like that. But I, I do want to get to Arcia, who you mentioned, because I think he's a he's a quality name to talk about. He hit 20 homers last year. I don't think a lot of people realize uh, the power he's shown. In, in his major league career thus far, his, his 162-game average uh, just in two seasons, so it's not like it's some huge collection of, talent, or, uh, of, of playing time, but he's got 28 uh, for his 162-game average here on Baseball Reference, 34 total in his 200 games, uh, only needed 103 games last year to hit 20. Not a flawless player, but there is power for days with Arcia. Yeah, I mean, actually, if Arcia played in Houston – I think that he would be a really, I think he'd be a really good comp for Chris Carter. I mean, if you're looking at at who Chris Carter was last year, was a was you know a guy coming into his own on a team that would give him you know at bats um, in, in a in a great hitters park. The only problem for me is Arcia is you know is a little bit even more flawed than Carter in terms of the plate approach because he's kind of got you know the Carter swing and miss right now without Carter's patience. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and, more free swinging. Uh, yeah, and I don't know, you know, I don't know that that necessarily. I think the Twins don't really, they they care, but I don't think that they they have the option to really put him down in the minor leagues and tell him to really work on patience. So I think that they're willing to let him work that out in the major leagues, which means it won't affect his playing time. But you have to think of it, and it, and it, it's not like batting average where it's going to directly affect his batting average. You can. You can be not that patient and still hit homers, but I, I have to feel like that just makes me a little bit more nervous about his floor being low, real low, and then the the, the park itself is not aiding him. But uh, those are the two names I came up with for 35 for sure. I like it. Like I said, uh, Granderson was my other one. I still believe it, it, it it's possible, but I, I went with Napoli because uh, uh, Granderson getting hit on the knee, and when I was making my list, I didn't know the severity of that. So I, I think he's still in play for that. You mentioned 25 homers is the next one. Uh, let's, see, let's see here. Let me pull up my list. We had some guys last year who did this, among others, were Mezzarocco, Brandon Moss, Todd Frazier, Lucas Duda, Adam LaRoe. Again, these are all guys picked after uh, 200 or 200 or after. I'm sure one of these guys was exactly picked 200, but you get the point here. Uh, You mentioned that Napoli was one of yours. Did you have a secondary one that you wanted to discuss? 
I did. You know, Granderson was another one of mine uh, for 25 plus. I, I had those guys. Um, and, you know, I, I love that one prediction. Um, the thing was Brad Johnson said Aramis Ramirez is going to hit uh, 30 homers and decide not to retire. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of my favorites. Um, and you've got some, you've got some older guys that fit the, the, uh, I guess the Brandon Moss, uh, Adam LaRoche. I think Adam LaRoche in particular comes to mind when I think of Marlon Bird um, as a guy who's been sort of steady at a certain power level, but people just don't want to buy them for some reason no, or another. They, they, uh, they're terrified of, of Bird, and frankly, he's going to the best park he's been in. Because I mean, Philly was uh, good, but this park's even better uh, in Cincinnati for Bird, so he's definitely a good one. I think another guy that has somehow become this even though he wasn't ever this before, is Mark Teixeira. And, you know, he's hit 24 homers in 2012, 22 last year, and these are in 500 plate appearances. So if he can be at anything healthier than he's been the last couple of years, um, and even if he isn't, even if he can just be better when he's in, um, you know, 25 is not, not that hard for him. I think that from what I'm seeing, he's like on waiver wires and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I just, it, it, it's, I think there's no love. I think that's too much. I think we've gone too far. I mean, he's not 38. He's 34. I mean, th- there's been more talk about Alex Rodriguez possibly be being a, a fantasy um, a fantasy asset than there has been about Mark Teixeira being a fantasy asset. And dude's four or five years, six years younger. Oh, and he played last year. 500 played, yeah. 508 <laughs> played appearances, by the way. And yeah, I, I've, been on, I've been on some of the A-Rod talk, but I'm certainly not saying it over to Shara because like you said he's he's been the one out there still doing it yeah he only played 15 games in 2013 but the uh the two years surrounding that are 24 and 22 homers and he's going in the 300s it is kind of weird and I think a lot of it is related to the poor batting average and the fact that people believe that the shift will continue to eat his batting average but we're just talking about power here and given how rare power is I don't need him to even hit 250 when I'm taking him that late, but I think 250 is actually in play. The 216, I mean that that's kind of crazy. I don't I don't think he'll be that low again, even though I I don't believe he's yeah, going to be that great. The shift can be effective and take some batting average off and not make you hit 216. So exactly. I think it's the same way I feel about McCann. It's like, yeah, the shift may aff- may affect him a little bit, but it doesn't mean he's going to hit 216. So and to share over what's worth is is. Um, fourth on the team in, in at bats this season, uh, this spring, that's um, an indicator to me that he's feeling healthy. Yep. No, I, 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 that's a good name. I, I like that one. For them to take, to take him out of the line. I mean, Beltron, for example, is, is only has 37 at bats to, um, to share his 51. So I considered Beltron here, but I actually went for a younger guy, a much younger guy, mind you, um, a 26 year old backstop. Yasmani Grandal. He had 15 last <laughs> year. Um, I guess there's been some talk popping up about uh, people being a little bit nervous about his playing time with AJ Ellis because of the, uh, the, the AJ Ellis's relationship with Kershaw, so he's going to be starting at least that game every week. Uh, people believe, but that's one game a week. I, I I don't expect Grandal to play seven days a week. You don't need yeah. him to to get a full season of playing time. I we saw. Power last year, 15 homers in that ballpark. Uh, when things weren't perfect, he you know he didn't have a great season. He hit uh, too much, a little bit too much striking out, uh, low batting average. 
I think there's a lot of talent here still to be untapped. And Dodger Stadium is not uh, an amazing p- place to hit, but it's better for home runs than I think a lot of people realize. It's actually a net positive for, for, for batters. And uh, he's a switch hitter, so he can leverage both sides of it. Um, when, he's a le- when he's hitting as a lefty, it's 123 for the park factor. When he's hitting as a righty, it's 114. So coming from San Diego, going into that ballpark there uh, with the Dodgers, I think Yasmani Grandal has a legitimate shot at being a 25-plus homer catcher who you can get super late. Um, obviously, his, his value gets boosted up higher than uh, the 245 uh, ADP that he has in OBP leagues. But beyond that, uh, Grandal is an afterthought in average leagues because he only hit 225 last year. And I like him. I know he's getting some hype uh, in some circles, but I'm, I'm contributing to that. I, th- I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah, I I wrote a piece wondering if he could Devin Mazzarocco, and I think he I think he still can because, you know, in terms of batted ball luck, uh, power upside, contact rate, just like Mazzarocco, he's done some things that look like what his upside was supposed to be like, but he hasn't done them all the way. Bingo, no, I, I, uh, good call. Uh, I think that's a good. I think those are good people to look for. Is like, okay, well he he's put up some some stats he's he's flashes them. yeah you know he's he's shown some power but he, he he showed more power and was supposed to have more power in the minor leagues you know he was he's he's shown some stretches of having good contact rates but you know he was supposed to and also you know a 9.9 percent swing strike rate does not equate to a 26 percent strikeout rate no not you know at all. that's uh usually a 26 percent strikeout rate you're into 11 12 percent swinging strikes so I think um, just a little bit. It could even be more aggressiveness, you know, I was just to just get out. Just about to say that. Maybe getting a yeah. little bit too deep into counts, putting himself in a hole, and maybe that's contributing to it. If you're seeing that the swinging strike rate doesn't back that up, so yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. So um, go- yeah, and the, and the park I think will be a little bit of a boost, and yeah, he's not going to play every day. Uh, he probably he might have played more in, in in San Diego as a as a halftime first baseman. Exactly. But I don't think he needs to hit. 220. I think he can hit 240, 250, and 25 homers. I mean, it's not crazy. I mean, Mesoraco, Mesoraco did it. The Mesoraco you, you, did it in like 30 games. I mean, he had yeah. what two DL stints and still had that amazing season. Yeah. Uh, so I, you, you followed you followed the uh, Mesoraco plan for 25 homers. I followed the Adam LaRoche plan for 25 homers. Very nice. Let's let's uh, move over to some speed demons, and obviously, we're probably going to have uh, much younger guys in, in this aspect. Last year, it was Ben Revere. D. Gordon, the, afor- uh, the aforementioned Rajay Davis, and Jared Dyson, or I think it's Gerard Dyson, excuse me. I sh- I'm sure the latter two uh, at least gain consideration, if not were one of your picks uh, for this. But but who did you have for your 35-plus stolen base guy going two- pick 200 or later? I think you you could easily just pick Rajay again. Yeah. And but, I almost uh, did, but I, I, want, I wanted to give people a new name. Yeah, and you know what? The... the the stolen bases age so poorly. If 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 we think that pitching it is all a young man's game, then stolen bases are a young man's game. I mean that is and and what's so difficult about that, I think in particular, is that stolen bases a stat age really terribly. But in order to steal a base, you really need to be in a particular spot in the lineup. And in order to be in that particular spot in the lineup, you need to have the trust of your of your manager. Yep. So it's really stolen bases are a very difficult category, and for me that means a lot of times that I just I don't worry about it. I try to find it on the wire, whatever whatever phenom has has arisen, I will go get him, um, or I will you know 
have a really powerful team with just enough stolen bases. And to, just to troll for him. Yep. I'm, I'm, yeah. We have the same 100% outtake. Maybe one league a year, I'll, I'll focus on them, like just to change up a draft strategy and, and get, get a couple rabbits. But for the most part, I take the same approach that you do because it's so manager dependent. And we just don't know because so many guys in the league right now, I know this is anecdotal. I can't really prove it, so maybe you can call BS on me. But there are so many guys in the league right now who we couldn't even, we wouldn't even imagine, could easily be 20 steal guys if given the chance. If if, if they were just told, run, uh, and not necessarily without regard for getting caught, because obviously then volume could be anybody. I'm talking about guys who could be. But just look at look at Todd Frazier. I mean, bingo, look at him. Bingo. That look was the name the I had in mind. The guy. He look at him. Look at him. There are lots of people like Todd Frazier in baseball. Yep. Exactly. I, so who I, you got? Uh, I'm gonna go. You know, there's there's a couple names that I like. Everth Cabrera came to mind mm-hmm. just because he's done it in 430 plate appearances the last couple of years, and I think he can manage 430 plate appearances again. But with his job, I don't know. There's one that that, that he's young, uh, so that this is good. He's 20, uh, 22 years old oh, right you now. Can take my guy. No, I don't think I am. I, well, let's see. Uh, he's a starter. Um, he played well enough and showed enough that I think he'll play at the top of the order. Tell me. You're, you're going to do it. I know it. He's on a good team, an up-and-coming team, a Damn young it. team. A young team. You're going to do it. Just do it. Jose Ramirez? Okay, dang it. It's not. Same division. Same division. You're you're Anthony Ghost. No, no, I'm I'm Micah Johnson. I'm Micah Johnson. Oh, I, I thought because nice. when you said starter, um, I, that's what threw me a little bit because he's been they've been talked about as a starter. I don't think he's been a thousand percent named as a starter yet. But that, honestly, I really thought you were going there, and I was like, oh my god. No, talk about your boy Ramirez because he's someone that you turned me on to. Um, you know, like one of our first podcasts, you said some nice things about him, and I hadn't really given him too much consideration. So now I got him um, in two AL only leagues, basically uh, just on your on your talk alone. Roster Resource has Jose Ramirez second in the lineup. I really like that lineup. This is a good this is a good pick here, and I think he can stave off um, uh, Lindor for a while because uh, I don't know that Lindor's gonna be ready to hit right away. The defense. Lindor could be a short, starting shortstop in the majors this instant, but I think that Ramirez could hang on to that job. So expound on him a little bit. Well, I mean, one thing that just happened was that um, if you, I don't know what it came up late in the season last year, and I I wrote a piece uh, trade Francisco Lindor, which really uh, some people really didn't like. Yeah, I can imagine that that pissed <laughs> some folks off. And they're like, oh, you know, Jose Ramirez, two hundred player versus you're gonna trade away Lindor, and I'm like, listen. What is Lindor going to be? Do you know what he's going to be with the bat? I don't know what he's going to be with the bat. So, in any case, uh, people were ready to make uh, Lindor into the next uh, batting champion slash gold glover. Um, The latter, sure. But, you know know what it is? People see that small number next to his name on prospect rankings, you know, a a top five number or a single-digit number, and and they automatically – they start getting into the fantasy mind, and they're like, well, that must mean he's going to be a stud fantasy player. In this sense, not necessarily. I quoted some of the bus rates, and people were like, "Oh, you're quoting, you're quoting bus rates and calling an analysis." Oh my God, I love, I could love commenters sometimes. <laughs> and I was like, "Listen, it's not just what." And they're like, "That that that thing is old." And I'm like, "You can't, I can't, you can't update it to last year because you can't call last year's pro, uh, prospects bus or not." Exactly. You know? so, exactly. So I updated, I, I I updated it like two or three years just for shortstops, and then people were like, "Well, what about top shortstops? They always make it." And I'm like, "No, dude." 
the 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 bus rate on top shortstops is the same as top prospects. So, yeah. and there's actually more there's more prospects in the there's more shortstop prospects in the top because we fetishize uh, top shortstop prospects. Not only that, think of all the guys who were top shortstop prospects that go on to play something, you know, give another position a try and flame out there. They might even yeah, be falling so. under the third base bust when they were actually coming up as a shortstop. So yeah, that's a good call. So so you're you're in the anyway, camp that thinks. I just I just been reading about uh, Terry Fancorona was just it was like a weekly quote from Terry Fancorona about Jose Ramirez. Okay. So you can go back and you can find. Terry Fancona gushing about Jose Ramirez's defense the whole way through. So it, this was a research on my part to find out if, you know, the, the small sample defensive numbers were good, but I didn't want to just say, oh, he's good defensively. I wanted So I found Terry Fancona saying on a weekly basis, eh, Jose Ramirez is really good uh, on defense. So you've got good enough defense. And I think that defense will keep him in the mix. So even if Lindor comes up, I think, you know, Jose Ramirez would be a better defender than, than uh, Lonnie uh, Chisenhall. And and Chisholm Hall is very boomer bust still. Mm-hmm. You know, there's you know there's no guarantee that Chisholm Hall is going to stick around. So there could be a Ramirez Lindor awesome defensive you know infield type situation, or or Ramirez can go over to second base and push Kipnis the outfield. There's a lot of things that can happen even if Lindor comes up that I think Ramirez will survive. I think Ramirez has some upside left in uh, in walk rate, and he stole 10 out of 11 bases and stole 38 bases. In, in 2013. Yep. So, um, you know, I think that uh, he'll steal more bases this year. 35, I mean, the projections only have him at 20. Zips has him at 27, though. And that's in 584 plate appearances. If he pushes that to 600 or 30. So, you know, and and I just like that he's 22 years old, man. He, he, and he's he's ready to go. So, so, yeah. uh, so, so yeah. I think uh, I think uh, that's that's one of the ones. And I thought you were going to go with Go, so I left Anthony Go's for I, you. I appreciate it because I, I considered him, of course. And what I think we've accidentally uncovered here is that there's some speed to be had in the in the AL Central there because we we had uh, th- we got three names here, the two picks that we had, and then of course Ghost and Davis, so four names actually. But no, I went with Micah Johnson because uh, first off, I, I didn't want to just always talk about the Tigers. I'm, uh, no one's accused me of it yet about being too much for the Tigers, <laughs> but it, it's coming down the line, I'm sure. Maybe the Verlander talk will incite somebody. But no, uh, Johnson's had a big spring. And it's looking like he's at least going to, you know, he's going to make the team and, and could have that second base job because, listen, Emilio Bonifacio hasn't really done anything to kind of seize it. Uh, in fact, he's been terrible. I think he's only hitting like 120 in spring training. And, you know, for as much as you don't want to get hyped over spring training numbers, positive or negative, when it's a position battle and you got one guy who's hit 340 and now I have the actual number, the other guy who's hit 132, which is Bonifacio. Then, then, then they do matter at that point. And so Johnson has really uh, moved himself up the, the, the depth chart there, and it's looking like he's going to play. And if there is a platoon, I know that Bonifacio is a switch hitter, but Micah Johnson's a lefty, so he, he would still have a good chance to be on the strong side if they do platoon. And the dude is just a burner. He dropped uh, – you know, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he, what, he, what were those stolen base numbers? Yeah, you, eight, 84 stolen bases in 2013, yeah. uh, down to 22 last year in, in much less time. Needs to become a little bit more efficient, but the speed is there. And with some major league coaching to tell him, you know, better times to run, maybe get him a little bit more efficient, teach him a little bit. 
I think there's a chance uh, for 35 steals pretty easily here as long as he continues to play. So that's where I went. And I agree with you. Ghost made my list. Another one who made my list is Dalton Pompey. Um, you know, because he, that guy is also going to be have the have the playing time. I love that. I just lineup. don't think that I had Pompey on my list too. I don't think that they're going to let him run in front of those big bats. Exactly. You know, I I think that he may even be a top of the lineup guy because he's he's hitting well. He's he profiles as a top of the lineup guy, and they need they sort of need that. But I don't, you know, in the number two hole, they kind of need a two hole hitter. So. Um, but I just don't think that you're going to send Pompey when Edwin Encarnacion or Jose Bautista is at the plate. So, and that's why he uh, wasn't my top pick there. Goes goes the strikeout rate, Evers' uh, job, um, Lorenzo Kane, Lorenzo Kane's health. Um, so, I, you know, those are the reasons I, I, I got rid of those. Micah Johnson, though, um, you know, I think he's got the job. Um, my friend Dan Hayes, who's the beat writer there, said from the beginning of spring training that Michael Johnson was going to get the job because Michael Johnson made it all the way to the last day of cuts on spring training last year. And, um, that they, they were, they were considering him as a, as a second base option last year. So, you know, I think he's not done much, uh, to do anything against that. I bet you the lower stolen base numbers suggest to me that he was working on something else that he was thinking about the other things Possibly his walk rate, his hitting, is just his overall hitting, perhaps. Right, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, one nice thing he's projected for a bad walk rate, which might keep him out of the top of the lineup, um, and and a bad on base percentage. But uh, in the spring, you know, and I like walk, looking at walks and strikeouts. If I'm looking at anything in the spring, um, he's got about an eight percent walk rate. Hey, that, so that would if work he, if he can manage to be league average with the walks. Um, you know, I think that he's stolen, he's tried, uh, to steal four times in, in 50 plate, 60 plate appearances. That would, uh, that would be 40 attempts in 600. So, um, I mean, you can't really do that, but at least he's trying to run, he's trying to walk and I think he's got the job. So I, I think it's a decent one. Yeah. Michael Johnson should be on your list if you're looking for speed. Let's move on to runs. Cause this one's a, a little tougher, you know, with, with the, with the speed, with the stolen bases, Guy doesn't even have to be a full-time player. Like I said, Gerard Dyson, um, uh, Rajay Davis, we've seen them put up massive numbers in not even not even part-time, not, not even half-time, like third-time. <laughs> you mentioned Everett Cabrera, same kind of deal. That guy's put up, I think, 41 year in like fewer than 100 games. So, you know, that can, that can happen pretty easily with the stolen bases. To score 90 runs, you got to play. And, and you pretty much have to be near the top of the order. So this one's going to be a little bit tricky, but I came up with some names. First off, let me tell you who did it last year. Or I didn't, I didn't, these aren't full lists, folks. So if you're hearing somebody that I missed, I just went through and got as many as I could. And I didn't have full ADP data from last year either. So um, incomplete lists probably. But guys who did 90 runs after pick 200 last year, Cole Calhoun, Denard Spann, uh, I put Gordon there. That's got to be D Gordon. Yes, uh, of course. Michael Brantley. That guy was pretty good last year. Anthony Rendon. That guy was pretty good last year. So there's going to be somebody who pops up, but it's it's maybe a tougher one to identify. Who did you come up with for this one? Um, well, I came up with two names, and and since I don't think you at least ha- I'm going to talk about the one that I'm pretty sure you don't have, and and I'm not so sure I should put him on the list, but I want to talk about him anyways. Joe Maurer, oh, and. You- I guess the reason I wanted to bring him up was he. I can't believe um, how far he's fallen, and and he that he's like now a 250 ADP guy makes me think that he's worth a shot in a lot of leagues. 
He's not projected for anything close to runs. I think actually projections are, are tough to look at for runs in RBI. Exactly. I, I think I I don't think that first of all, I don't think that since they don't add a lot of value to a lot of the WOBA and uh, WAR type stuff, I don't think that projection systems are that interested in getting them that much that that correct mm-hmm. because they um, they don't when in the way that projection systems are tested, they don't matter. Exactly. Cause, well, and you know yeah, they're, like, they're just so team dependent too. Right. They're team dependent and they're lineup slot dependent and they don't factor into the way when people test projection systems, most of the time they look at their WOBA and they, and they're weighted on base average and they take that and look at actual WOBA and that's how they test. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, and, and runs in RBI aren't in WOBA. So, um, you know, so that's, that's one thing. Uh, and another thing they're, they're difficult. Uh, also, uh, Maurer has not had 90 runs since 2009, so it would be a resurgence. But I think he's, you know, more of a two hitter now than a three four hitter than he was before. Uh, so his run, it's I think his line is going to be, um, you know, I, I think he, his line is going to be more shifted towards runs than RBI. Uh, if he stays healthy, this lineup is going to be good. So it's a, it's an outside shot, but. Um, you know, if you look at who did it last year, uh, it's a little bit more like of an Alex Gordon-type situation. Or that's D Gordon. Yeah, right? that was D. Um, I guess it's a little bit more like a Spawn situation, where it's like a veteran. That's a good one. Got right, right into the right position. But the guy I, I really like uh, is Adam Eaton. Ah, oh, you bastard. Uh, I knew it. Uh, I knew it. I knew that was going to happen sooner or later, that you were going to just dead flat out take one of my picks. That was my number one pick. By the way, I actually have Maurer for the next one, which I know is even a bigger stretch than yours, but uh, we'll talk about it. It, uh, just as one of my names well, for the next one. But, but, glad, glad that we've talked about him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So we, 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 we covered him. But no. Either one. One of the, one of the two is he's a, he's a possibility. But Adam Eaton had 76 runs last year and 530 plate appearances. Uh, he's got the good walk rates. I think he's got more upside beyond in terms of power. Agreed. Uh, which doesn't always lead to runs, but it does. I mean, what happens is you end up at second instead of first. I, I think uh, he's a lock for this, in fact. That's how far I'd go with Eaton on the 90 runs. Well, you know, the problem is sometimes he runs into outfield walls. That's and, true. The injury uh, is the is the big intense. key. Yeah, he's pretty intense. But, you know, yes, if you gave me uh, 620 plate appearances for him, um, I, with the lineup getting better and, 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 and Garcia getting better and deeper and stuff. Yeah, I, I think Eaton's a, a, a decent a decent pick for this one. Well, he was my number one, but other guys that I had considered, uh, Desmond Jennings, just because it's looking like he's going to lead off and he's got a couple of 80-something seasons in fewer than 140 games. But the problem is he's never played more than 100. He's never played 140 games. So yeah. I can't just say, oh, he's got that. Uh, in those seasons, now he's going to all of a sudden play a buck fifty-five. Older than you think, too. Yeah, twenty-eight. So, uh, but but he's definitely a consideration. And then, so the guy I'll go with since you since you snaked my guy here is Austin Jackson. And now I really am going to get accused of of being a, a Tigers homer because now I'm picking <laughs> former Tigers. But uh, you know, everyone's falling in love with that Seattle club, and I get it. You know, they they've improved the offense again. The pitching is, is pr- pretty hot. They've got a a super ace. Uh, very high quality number two, and then some really intriguing three, four guys with Paxton and Walker. The bullpen was amazing last year. Uh, none of that matters for, for Jackson. I'm just saying the team is getting a lot of love, but the offensive improvements do matter for Jackson. He's going to be there leading off for the whole year. I like Seth Smith as the uh, strong side platoon guy batting second, and then Cano and Cruz and Seeger 
those four guys, I think they can all drive them in. We've seen Jackson be very good before. I know last year was rough, but even in last year's terrible season, he still managed to score 71 runs. Um, he, he did 90-plus in all four of his seasons before that. Different team context, and I don't think this Mariners lineup is quite as good as the, the lineups that the Tigers were putting out there, but it's it's pretty strong. I mean, it, it's a pretty solid lineup. And so I think Austin Jackson gets back on track, gets back up near uh, his 330-something on base percentage, and at that point, he, he's, he's got three seasons of 150-plus games, and he's, he's managed 614 or more plate appearances in every season that he's played. So this guy's relatively durable. I think the playing time is going to be there, and so I'll take Jackson since you snaked Eaton from me. It's a it's a great pick, honestly. I mean, I, I you know I don't know if we should be slamming the table and yelling at each other, but uh, just the fact that he's shown the ability to do it and 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 gone way beyond 105, um, uh, 103 uh, twice. Yeah, 2010, so, 2012. Mean, yeah, I, there's this is the guy that has the skills. All he needs to do is get on a better roll and, and, and maybe get rid of that leg kick. He brought the leg kick back last year for some reason. I don't know and, why. Maybe, and, uh, maybe it's I just mean, like, I interviewed him about it, and he just said it felt good. But, and, yeah. and, and hitting his half feeling good. But, um, you know, if it, if it doesn't work, then just, you know, go back to with the going without it. So I, I think that, um, yeah, I think that uh, it's a, he's, in, he's in a good spot to, to, to do uh, – to, to do some damage with the runs for next year, for sure. I think, you know, he's actually a pretty good uh, pick. I think that he'll be a mixed league outfielder. I think so, I mean, too. It, it's, it's barely there because, you know, he's not going to hit 300. He's not going to steal, you know, he may not steal 25 bases and he may not hit 10 homers. So it's not going to look that good. It could be Brant- but if you, Brantley pre-2014, though, where it's just a bit of everything. Right. And I think it's like a really, really good, like, head-to-head bench outfielder where you're just plugging them in to get extra, you know, whatever's on the, any given day, um, I think could be, is like a, is the way he could be a mixed leaguer. But in any case, uh, good pick. Thank you. Let's talk rib. Uh, your pick was excellent as well. Next up is, is RBIs. And uh, last year it was Michael Brantley, Anthony Rendon, Lucas Duda, and Ryan Howard. So three guys we've already talked about. And then Ryan Howard, we know he had all those ribbies. Um, this one's tough too, because guys who, have a viable chance at 90 RBIs are probably being taken before 200. So got to get creative here. I mentioned that Maurer was somebody who, who was on my list, but not my top guy. So who was your top pick here? I have some names. I'm not going to read them all right now. I'm going to pick one. Yes. I'm going to pick, you know, ah, oh man, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Chase Headley. Okay. That's a good one. Chase Headley. I think that I had him. Um, uh, sorry, he hit the cutting room floor for my 90 runs, actually, and just because a, a name that I think could do well. So no, I like him for RBIs here. Go ahead and talk about Headley. I'm not sure how it's gonna uh, how it's gonna uh, shake down in terms of lineup. Um, let me see. I'm I'm, I'm calling up roster resource because I I didn't actually. I, th- um, I think, think they got him sixth right now, but. They got. That, I mean, that's an RBI slot, and and honestly, I think that that um, that that lineup there is good. I think that that agreed. Where um, you know, and I think that D.D. Gregorius is going to be better than than Derek Jeter in multiple ways, and and, and it, you know, help that lineup be better. So, um, you know, you know, yeah, Ellsbury Gardner that makes sense. Beltran Texera, McCann in the middle. 
but uh, Beltron is getting older. Exactly. And if you if you push to Sharon McCann up and make Headley the five, fifth, yep. If you or if you slide Headley in at third, uh, these things can happen because not only is Chase Headley the youngest, the young <laughs> the youngest starting uh, uh, player on that on that infield on that in that roster. Uh, I'm sorry, Outside. in that lineup other than Didi. Yeah. Um, I can't believe that, actually, now that I'm looking at that. He's younger than Jacoby Ellsbury, and he's younger than Brett Gardner. At, at age 31, uh, by the way, folks, for those of you un- un- unaware of uh, Headley's age, going into age 31, second youngest guy on the club. That's, uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Or second youngest guy in the starting lineup, like you said. That's but, crazy. But it is a good, it's a good lineup, and I still honestly believe in this idea that um, – you know he's going to alter his approach a little bit and be a little more power happy in in Yankee Stadium this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he took that deal to play in Yankee Stadium. I know he's had some injury issues over the years. If you get him to 600 plate appearances and 20 homers in that lineup with a 350 on base percentage, uh, all things that he can do, um, I think he can he can slug he can slug 90 homers. Uh, not 90 homers. He can ah. slug 90. RBIs. 90 homers would be nice. No, no, that, that, that's a good pick. Uh, my pick is uh, on a team that we've already mentioned a couple times and somebody that you offhandedly mentioned, which made me nervous that you would pick him. Do you, can you can you guess who that might be? Just a guy that you mentioned within the within the talk of, of, of these categories that we've been discussing. And I was like, oh, dang, if he's on his radar, he might take him for my RBIs here. Granderson or Teixeira? Nope. Avisel Garcia. You just briefly mentioned him. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think in the Eaton discussion, in, in terms yeah. of uh, that lineup. So I'm a big fa- uh, God dang it. Maybe I am a, just a huge Tigers homer because I just realized that that's another <laughs> another former. <laughs> so that's three former Tigers on Paul's list. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm sticking with it. Uh, <laughs> this is a guy I'm really buying into. Um, not just because he's a former former Tiger, but I really think that there's a lot to like here. And I know that doesn't show up a lot statistically. And, and there have been discussions on Rotographs about it. Brad Johnson, uh, you know, has come out saying, I don't get it. What's what's going on? What's going on with all the love for this guy? Yet at the same point, I believe I saw a tweet from him uh, yesterday. And I, I, I don't have time to call it up here. Oh, yeah, there we go. He he took him. Uh, he, so even even a guy that Brad Johnson does not like. He still found time to take to take him just in case, just in case he's wrong. He drafted him at 212 overall. I'm really hyped on on Garcia. I think the skills are there for a massive season. He is going to be batting fifth in that lineup. That that uh, nice prime RBI spot spot. Not not the most prime, obviously. Three four uh, will be a, a tick better, but the guys ahead of him, Eaton, Cabrera, Abreu, LaRoche, bases are yeah. going to be jammed up often. There's going to be guys on base for him to do yeah. it. So. And there's the age. I think age matters there too, because Adam Laroche is the oldest guy in that lineup. Oh my gosh, that's this is that's a really funny lineup to go look at after the Yankees, because Adam Laroche is at 35 is the oldest guy in that lineup, and nobody else is older than 31 other than Alexi Ramirez. So that's a real nice young developing lineup. And if Adam Laroche's age matters, and if he can't, you know, I think DHing is a is a skill. Mm-hmm. So you know, if 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 that DHing matters. Um, and he can't, and he's not as good as he as you know he's as the back of his baseball card. Garcia can move up one slot real easily, and then look I mean, out. Talking about, yeah, we're talking about if Avisel Garcia hits his, um, you know, 60, 70, 80th percentile projection, and Adam Roche hits his 40th and 30th percentile projection. 
I'd, and I'm the manager, I'm, I'm, I'm switching those two around. 100%. So, yeah, I'm, I'm big on him. Actually going to talk a little bit more about Garcia later, so we are going to move on here because we got to – I wanted to one, one name. Oh, um, Just uh, – I'm not sure about this one. I just think he deserves a little love in, in, in this context especially because I think given all of his flaws, the one thing that Kenny Vargas can do is drive and run. Yeah, hit for, and, hit, hit for some pop and drive some guys in. Yeah, and he's he's uh, the cleanup hitter in Minnesota. Um, Santana, whatever his flaws are, whatever his position is going to be, um, I think is he, and he's he's going to be a decent on uh, he's going to be a decent leadoff guy. Dozier's a great two hole guy. Mauer ahead of Vargas is, means that there's going to be on guys on base. They've extended the lineup with with buying Torrey Hunter. They they've sort of pushed everybody down. And now you're looking at the worst hitter being Kurt Suzuki, especially if they go with Eduardo Escobar at shortstop over Danny Santana and don't play Jordan Schaefer. You're talking about a, a, a good lineup, actually. And I, and I, I know that they've got problems with pitching, and, and they need to figure that out in order to be good again. But uh, Urban Santana, you know, there, there you could look, especially with Kyle Gibson spring, the way he's, he's doing the spring, you could look at this lineup and actually like it. You could look at this team and actually like things about it. I, so Listen. You're preaching to the choir here. I've been saying the AL Central, look out. I've been talking about that since October, and that's even with a big backslide for Kansas City that I see forthcoming. Those other three teams, I think Cleveland's going to win that division even. The White Sox can be super tough, and you're just not going to walk over the, the, the Twins every time out. Now, you know, I don't think that they're going to necessarily contend, but if they've got 78 wins, you know, it's eight more Ws. That's that. If they take a couple from each of the contenders in that in that division, it really tightens it up there. So Hughes, Santana, Gibson, and if Nolasco can get back to just kind of a league average guy, he doesn't have to be great. He, do, he just doesn't have to be great. He can just don't be as horrible as you were last year, dude. Um, <laughs> then all of a sudden, you know, they're not embarrassing themselves on the mound. I really like that Santana pickup, and the lineup was already good last year. So that's another good call out. I'm glad that you mentioned him before we move on to uh, batting average guys. And I am worried about you snaking me again here. And uh, it, it, it turns out I'm a massive homer. But 300, 300 average with a 450 at-bat threshold here. So, uh, you know, because, again, anyone who's got real legit 300 potential for 600-plus at-bats or, you know, 550 even, I think they're getting drafted too early for the most part. Uh, so there's not, I don't think there's going to be a ton of candidates here. But we did have a lot of guys do it last year. I got Brantley, Eaton, Melky. Lorenzo Cain and, and Corey Dickerson. So that's just five guys that I had right there. I didn't even, like I said, incomplete list. So there's going to be some guys who do it. I just think it's harder to identify them, especially because hit rates can be, uh, you know, a little bit luck induced at times as well. So there's probably going to be a couple guys on the list this year who do it, who we don't see coming because, you know, they got 50 extra singles as opposed to really having a skills change. But who did you come up with um, for a 300 average and 400 plus? Uh, at bats, I'm gonna just breeze right by Lorenzo Kane yeah. and and Adam Eaton because we talked about them and they're less sexy and you have you have formed your opinion on them by now anyway. Here's a a really really random name that occurred to me as I was going through. Oh good, the you're, list. you're definitely not taking my guy then. Wilmer freaking Flores. Nice. The the reason I bring him up and, and I you know as a Mets fan, I was gonna say uh, finally you're the homer. I don't think he's uh, a shortstop necessarily even. But I, it seems like the team is determined to play him at shortstop. I doubt that they're even going to pull the plug after a full year. I think 
Matt Reynolds is going to have to wait till next year um, to, to, to become part of the conversation there, unless Flores is just looks terrible because they, they let Ruben Tejada look terrible out there. So, um, you know, I think Wilmer Flores is going to get a shot this year. Um, I don't, there's things about his hitting. I don't love, but there, the, the, the kind of the way you hit 300 is to not sort of embarrass yourself on the base paths. And if he's playing short, he's got to, I, I don't know. This is reductive reasoning. I'm doing it the wrong way. But anyway, I don't think he's a statue. I just think his range is bad. Sure. So, you know, Johnny Peralta. He's young, enough, he's young enough to 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 get to first base on time. The other things that he does is put. He does uh, great contact with good power. So um, you know he's projected a 14% uh, strikeout rate last year. He had 11% strikeout rate. Uh, he only had a 130 or so ISO last year. But in the minors, he's shown. 210, 180 ISOs. So if he really can hit these projections of 150, 160 ISOs with a 14, 13% strikeout rate, that's a good way to get to 300. Now, he's not projected anywhere close to 300, and that's because nobody wants to give him a league average BABIP. I don't know why. Um, I'm scrolling down now to his batted ball stats to see if he's a, a crazy infield fly ball guy. Not really. No. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I think that. And the fans give him a 291 BABIP, and that's a 271 batting average. Give him a 300, he's closer to 280. And then all of a sudden, we're sniffing it. You know, a couple uh, hit a week. You know, all of a sudden, and that's it's game yeah. over. No, that I love that. That's a deep it's cut. It's interesting. It's a, it's just an interesting thing that occurred to me that you know maybe he's maybe he's what I wanted. You know, out of Kang as a late late shortstop sleeper. My pick won't Kong. won't require too much analysis because we have spoken a lot about him um, on this podcast. He's a guy that you really like, and uh, you know, just when I just when I pass the Homer torch to you because you picked a Met, I'm gonna snatch it right back for you and pick a current <laughs> Tiger instead of a former one, Nick Castellanos. Um, oh. And again, I did. I swear to you, people, I did not go through this list and just try to pick Tigers. It just happened this way, uh, or former Tigers, as it were, for most of them. But I just. I, Again, like I said, we've talked a lot about him. The the hit tool was the thing that he always had coming up. This is more of a scouting than a stats thing. Huge line drive rate, but as you mentioned when we talked about him, line drive rates aren't always sticky from year to year, so it's not necessarily going to come out and do another 29%, but he doesn't have to be at 29% to have a big batting average. Um, I just... I believe in this guy's talent. It might not even be this year. Uh, I, I would take the gamble on it, but it, it, I think there's a 300 uh, average season in his in his career for sure. I'm going to say it's this year, but uh, Nick Castellano. So that easy one for me, but um, I like your Wilmer Flores. That's a deep pull, and I, I really like it. It's, Let's move on. To, to be clear, we're not we're not saying this is gonna happen. No, no. Again, these these are these are <laughs> almost a, a a different way of doing bold predictions. To be honest, um, I just thought it'd be a fun way. Let's move over to pitching here. And I think this is going to be a little bit easier. Actually, a lot easier. Let's let's just let's just call it what it is. It's going to be a lot easier because the way pitching emerges. First off, both of us are so immersed in it. We're probably going to have like four names for each of the categories, so we're going to have to limit ourselves. But um, same sort of thing here. We're looking at guys I like our two-hour pitching podcast. Exactly. So <laughs> we're going to start with a sub three ERA in 162 plus innings, using that cutoff because that's how you qualify for the ERA title. Again, not a compo- not a complete list necessarily, but just a few names I picked up that definitely did it last year. Corey Kluber, Garrett Richards, Henderson Alvarez, Lance Lynn, Alex Wood, Tyson Ross, Dallas Keuchel, all drafted after pick 200. I'm sure you got about 20 names, but please just give me one that you like this year to pop us a sub-3 ERA. 
yeah. Yeah, I remember back when sub three ERA is like impossible. (laughs) It's like, what do you mean? Okay, Pedro, and and if you're in a mixed league, Pedro, and then one or maybe two of the the Braves trio. But beyond that, uh, who the heck else could you really even expect to? And not even expect. It'd be like, you know what? If if they stay studs. They could get under under three, but for the most part, they're probably going to be a 320, and that's going to be awesome. Now it's like right, right. Dallas Keuchel's on the list. No offense, Dallas Keuchel, but right, you know, right, right. not quite at that talent level. So, well, so who do you got? I actually think there's actually it's kind of amazing considering that he had a sub three ERA last year, but uh, Henderson Alvarez is still uh, uh, being picked under 200. No, nobody likes him, and I'm kind of in that camp of uh, I don't love him, but if you pair him properly. If you draft him with the right kind of strikeout guys to make up for it, whether you go early for the stud closers or pair him with like a Francisco Liriano, there's ways to make it work. And, you know, I don't know if his 265 was fully believable. Uh, in fact, a 358 FIPS suggests maybe not. But uh, the skills are there for him to continue to be successful. That's for sure. Yeah, so I'm, I, I, I have him as a repeater, maybe. Nice. I mean, it's, he's in the right place. And uh, I think he might, you know, whatever he gives up in more on Babip or whatever, he's going to, I think he might actually make some strides in, in strikeouts. Um, but uh, looking, you know, looking at him as a sort of model, I think you want, you know, for the most part, a lot of these guys are pitching in parks, Lynn, uh, Wood, Ross, you know, you know, most of these guys in Richards, even these are pitching parks. Um, so I'm, I'm looking to the A's. Um, and it's sort of between Pomerantz and, and Pomerantz and Han for me. I think Pomerantz probably has more innings in him bastard. this season. You're a bad And uh, Pomerantz actually um, had this. This hasn't gone up yet because of uh, internal uh, site stuff. But uh, Drew Pomerantz has the highest K9 this spring K9 minus last year uh, K9. Oh, okay. So the biggest improvement. So, I don't know if you've heard me whispering under my breath that you're a bastard. He he was he was my pick for this one. I, lo- yeah, I love I mean, Drew Pomeroy. He's, he's striking out 13 per nine. He has 25 strikeouts in 17 innings this this um, spring. The weird thing was when I was writing it up. I mean, he said uh, he said that it was because of his mechanics. Okay, well if it's if it's mechanics and 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 walk rate, then that that could be a, a good way for him to break out. The other one was that it, the mechanics have helped his changeup. But we have, you know, four or five changeups on on Brooks from the spring, and they're just as bad as always in terms of shape. So um, I'm not really sure. You know, he's still going to be mostly two pitch pitcher. But if you're going to be a two pitch pitcher, I actually honestly think that the curve is the one to do it. Yeah. Because the curve, you know, the the big curve has a reverse platoon split, which is good for him as a lefty. But I think he can also manipulate the curve a little bit. Um, and uh, maybe get a little bit of a slider out of it to uh, to get the same-handed guys out. Well, that's a tremendous pick. I, I absolutely love it. And I think I'm going to stay in the same division because my I've got other name I got two other names from that division, and then the NL guy on your favorite team, who's kind of a sneakier one, although the 162 inning threshold will be tough for him. That's John Neese. So I'm going to go ahead and, and ditch him. And now it's going to come down to my two AL West guys. Another one who's a, a more of an injury concern. We haven't really seen throw a ton of innings. That's James Paxton. I'm going to eliminate him too, although I do think he is viable. So the guy I'm going to go with is actually Derek Holland. 
and uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm not a fan of his comedy. I don't think he's funny at all. Um, his, mm -hmm. his impression's not funny, whatever. I don't care, though. Gr grow your silly mustache. None of that matters to me as long as you can pitch. And he can pitch. Obviously, he had the leg injury last year that, that cost him virtually the entire season. He had just 37 innings. But when he came back, he was sharp. Strikeouts weren't there uh, immediately upon returning. Only only a 6.1 rate when, it, when he had those 37 innings. But we've seen big strikeouts in the past. And this isn't even a strike out one so he doesn't have to be a strikeout guy and Henderson Alvarez the guy you talked about at the outside of this category uh, has never been a strikeout guy so it's not like that's a prerequisite but I do believe that he can miss enough bats to kind of keep the contact low in Texas it doesn't play as as, as friendly as it used to but I still think it's a, a, a good place to, for hitters to hit and not not quite the best place for pitchers but we saw a 342 in 213 innings out of him in 2013 he appeared headed to to kind of start developing and, and, and maybe maybe that was his breakout and then he kind of kind of bust through in 2014 and obviously that was derailed so I think we're just going to get a year delay and this is the year he's going to bust through I'm pretty high on on Derek Holland so we both picked both picked lefties in the AL West yeah I'm a little I'm, I'm I've talked about it a little bit but I I, I just well I just don't I don't need I don't I don't know I the, the thing is that you know his change is no good but I just looked at his his curves last year and they were actually average and they you know curves could be a way to put to bust a platoon but um they're not platoon busting in shape uh his curve is really tight and kind of hard mm -hmm. um it's not a big old looping curveball that's the pomerantz curveball is the one that has a reverse platoon split so he doesn't really have a pitch that you would normally think has a reverse platoon split his changeup is bad by shape and by velocity gap and he's not throwing it anymore so he is a He's like a two fastball slider curve guy. And so I would say, you know, not knowing his history, I would say that he's missing a pitch. But knowing his history, he's been good. And um, if anything makes a fastball slider combination work, it's command. And, you know, I do think he has decent command. So and it, it, it really started to take shape over the last couple of years. Um, you know, not, yeah. not just last year, you know, he only walked five guys again, that's 37 innings, but, but in, in, in 2013, I, I, I saw some of those command improvements that you're talking about. And even though the numbers, I don't, the, the numbers showed it a bit, I think he had a two, seven rate that that's solid, but just watching him, I think he had much better command uh, in and out of the zone with, with his pitches, you know, the, the, pitches that you choose to throw out of the zone with purpose i think he had a better idea of what he was doing so if he continues that progression i think he can, he can do it he's really he's really back footing that slider a lot i mean it's just really you can he's really found that and i watched some old I, I think i mentioned this before but i watched some old uh footage um uh, of uh steve carlton, carlton. that's right and, uh all he did was was back with the slider, and apparently he was just pretty much all fastball slider as a as a lefty with good velocity. How did his so. career turn out though? Is that guy any good? Yeah, I think he was. I think he okay. did. He did some things. Let's talk whip now, because uh, you know you don't necessarily have to have the the incredible ERA to to do this whip. And and the threshold I set was a 120 again in 162 plus innings, so that you kind of qualify uh, for the ERA title there. I guess for the whip title too. Um, and s a lot of similar suspects that we had in the first category did it last year. Kluber, Keuchel, but also guys like Kyle Loesch, Phil Hughes, Josh Colmenter, Tanner Roark. So uh, we had some some very interesting names pop up for a, a, a sub 120 whip last year in at least 160 two innings who did you come up with 
here's a weird name, and I, I didn't really do a statistical search for this. I, I sort of did like a, a head search. It's really just, funny that you say that because I did the same thing. Wait, on, just, on this category only was the one that I was just like, I'm just going to throw some names here because I, I don't I don't know. You know, it, it would, these were just three names that popped into my head, but, but go ahead. The, the amazing thing is now, now I'm looking at his numbers and I'm like, was I on crack? Oh, it doesn't uh, hold up after you look? Well, I don't know. Rafael Montero, to me, oh. has uh, plus fastball command. I mean, he, has, he, can really, he can really place the fastball. And I talked about him before and, and, and how his changeup's no good and his slider's only okay. And he, he seems afraid to throw either the changeup or the slider. And that's been part of why, you know, he gave up so many homers last year. He's very predictable. Um, but his fastball is good and he knows where to place it. And I think reading the tea leaves, the uh, Mets kind of want to play him more than G mm-hmm. um, in that in that fifth starter role. So I think they really want to give him one last chance. He's projected for a one-two-four whip, so he's not too far off. The, you know, the projections know that he, he has pretty good command. Uh, if he just gives up a few fewer homers, then then um, he's projected for right around one. And then you look back at his minor league career, and there's a lot of sub-two walk rates, sub-two for nine. So I, I think that uh, you know this, there is a lot that lines up with what I what I think of him as a, just having excellent fastball command. I don't think you're on crack. I, I like that pick, and I'll tell you what, in, in, in my fantasy career, any sport, baseball, football, I played basketball a little bit, I'm chronically a year early on guys, and I'll tell you what, I love Rafael Montero last year, so that bodes <laughs> well for you. Um, no, I, I like that pick. I think that's a good one. Now, I, I've got I've got one on each end of the spectrum in terms of age, um, and, and the first one might even be cheating because I feel like everyone kind of you know, oh, duh, yeah, that, that's probably going to happen. But uh, he's got to stay healthy, though, too. That's Dan Heron. Um, we, we, we've seen him kind of live in this area and, and below it for most of his career. He had the two years, 2013 or 2012-2013, where he was above at 129 and 124, respectively. But then last year, jumped back down to 118, uh, even with a 402 ERA. So that, like I said earlier, you know, it, you don't have to have a great ERA in order to do this. He obviously doesn't walk anybody. Absolutely. Yep, Ted Lilly's Ted Lilly yeah. was a guy who consistently would have like a, a low four ZRA, but an amazing whip. So you could be a whip asset. I like Heron going into that new park. Obviously, he's going to go out and, and, and he decided to take his 10 mil and pitch. But I think um, the fact that he doesn't walk anybody, that park and the multiple starts against those two high A lineups in Philadelphia and Atlanta, I think will help too. In fact, I think he's going to be an all around asset, but for whip, I thought he was an easy pick. And then a guy who I thought you might pick on the other end of the spectrum from an age standpoint was uh, TJ house. And I know that, you know, it wouldn't back it up if you went and looked at the numbers last year, cause he had a 132. but I thought he got a bit unlucky there uh, having such a high uh, whip, considering some of the the way that he pitched. I thought I thought he deserved better on some of his batted balls. Although when you are a high ground ball guy, they can skitter through and all of a sudden your hits can can jump up. But well, I, I think he's got a chance to do it as well. But Heron's my official pick. House is a good one because Sierra uh, the Sierra research, Matt Swartz found that once you get up to 60% ground balls, you're actually projected for like a 270, 280 Babbitt. Because... Uh, and he was at 332 last year. 
Right. So it's not even a 60% ground ball guy should have a below 300 BABIP and he, he was over. So, so that uh, the one thing, that's the one thing I would like about uh, defense improving behind him. Yep, yep. Fewer, fewer hits maybe. Yep. I was going to say the one thing I would like about your boy Ramirez, maybe losing out is if Lindor came up, like I said, the defense is already yeah. in place. Although there's a, there's a way that they could do Lindor and Ramirez. They could push Kipnis back to the outfield where he played in college you know, that, yeah, that, that, too. yeah that, that, mean, there are things to be done there. So, um, but yeah, house was just an, another consideration. And then another, a further consideration. I just want to be equipped and have multiple names. Kendall Graveman, you know, just, uh, in fact, if anything, Henderson, he, he could be like a Henderson Alvarez type. Uh, right. You know. yeah, I mean, somebody asked me if they should take Henderson Alvarez or Graveman. I was like, well, take Henderson Alvarez. He's already done Graveman- it. Might be. <laughs> yeah. Gra- Graveman's best outlook is, is becoming Henderson Alvarez. Let's talk K's now. And, and we got two categories because 200 K's is, is pretty high threshold. And then uh, 180, uh, you know, for somebody who maybe doesn't quite pitch the entire year uh, but could still get to a buck 80. So uh, guys with 200 last year who uh, were drafted 200, pick 200 or later, there's only one guy. Ian Kennedy, and that's why I created two categories because it's it's tough it's tough to have somebody kind of come completely off the radar uh, like that and drop 200 strikeouts. So, um, who did you come up with for 200 strikeouts? I'm actually going to take a guy out of the 180 and bump him up and and, and call him up to the 200. <laughs> um, I'm going to take Drew Hutchinson, nice. Drew Hutchinson, and. Uh, you know, he struck out nine guys. He struck out a guy for nine, uh, a guy for inning last year with an 11% swing strike rate. That's great. His slider improved. Uh, Sullivan has a great piece on that. That's great. Um, you know, one of the things that I really like about him is that he had 184 innings last year. And a lot of the guys that you'll find as sleepers are young and haven't done it yet or are old and are injury risks. So. You know, I looked at CC, uh, you know, Sabathia also, and 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 thought, well, what if he sort of came back to form? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just don't know that he has 200 innings in him. Yeah, that that's the tough part. Uh-huh. Is obviously, you know, they they're gonna have to put up a full season to get 200 strikeouts. It's gonna be hard to kind of fake it. Uh, you know, with with 175 innings, you'd have to be pretty overwhelming. I, I like I like the Hutchison pick for sure. I think the point that you made about his innings pitch last year is is a bit overlooked by f- some folks. You know, he came back off of his first year uh, from Tommy John and dropped 185 innings. And I know the ERA wasn't great, but uh, the WHIP when you compare it to the ERA was 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 better the strikeouts were there there's a lot to like we've talked a lot about him I just I still really like him and obviously he drew the opening day start so the club obviously agrees for me I, I don't think that I also don't think it's a risk some people say you know the Verducci effect not uh, has been sort of shown not to be true and uh in terms of big innings jumps and I don't think it's the same when it comes to Tommy John because um you're you're a fully formed adult your your muscles around the ligament are are strong enough for the innings and you're going to have a big increase in innings no matter what exactly exactly so so they they just want you to be healthy and you know and and i don't think there's as many innings restrictions as there are sort of time restrictions when it comes to uh tommy john it's funny that you 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 picked hutchison for your main pick and then uh sabathia for your your secondary pick because i'm going i've got both of my guys are in that same division do you want you want to take a guess at 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 either of them and i will i will tip you off it's not kevin gaussman uh you going with like bauer no wait al east oh al east uh 
Who are you going with? Uh, you going with? Let's see, Cobb's not healthy. Nope. Uh, the Red Sox, Yankees. No, Red Sox. You, you skipped right over it, so I'm going to have to stop you there. Wade Miley. Uh, Wade Miley? Buck 83 last year. I really like Wade Miley. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy because you look at that guy and with that mullet, I'm not. That, that's a mullet only a mother could love. However, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about uh, about his hairstyle. I just need him to go out there and keep pitching. And um, you know, I, I kind of believe in the strikeout boost from last year, and I think there's actually some more to to untap there with his with his slide piece. Um, I just I think I think he's got a chance to do it. He's he's shown the reliability with a buck ninety five. 203 and 201 innings the last three years. So I think he's going to go out there. Uh, you know, you can feel comfortable that he's going to go out there for 33 starts. I know he's moving to the AL and, and the AL East. You know, it's not the AL beast that it used to be, but it's not an easy division. I get all that. Um, but I think the strikeouts will be there. And I think he has a good chance to pop up over 200 uh, for the first time in his career. And then my other, my secondary guy in the same division was uh, Gaussman's teammate. Chris Tillman, and I know his would be a much bigger jump because I think he's peaked. Uh, he's peaked at a buck eighty, uh, yeah, one seventy nine. Uh, but another guy who's shown two years in a row that he can go out there for thirty three plus starts with two hundred seven. And so you, you bet on innings. Yes, that mine. I, I was betting more on the volume uh, with only you know a modicum of of strikeout uh, skills increase, whereas. You know, you have the skills increase or, or the the strikeout skill in place with Hutchison, but you're betting on him putting up the full 210 inning season sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on to the, the to the buck 80 guys because obviously this lowers the threshold for innings. They don't have to necessarily have a full season. Hell, they could even start after tax day, uh, April 15th and, and, and still achieve it. Uh, some guys who were able to do it last year, some, some names we've already talked about a little bit, including the aforementioned Miley, uh, including the aforementioned Drew Hutchison, Phil Hughes, AJ Burnett, Tyson Ross, and Lance Lynn. So a good handful of guys that were able to do it last year coming up off the, uh, uh off the mat from pick 200 or later, who, who have you got, who, who was left after you promoted Hutchison? I, uh, you know, we talked about a lot of the, yeah, we talked about a lot of the guys that were on my list for 180. Um, and uh, this guy, the reason I picked him was because he's got, um, he's going to have at least 180 innings in him this year. He was last year in 114 innings. He was already above average uh, for starters when it came to strikeouts and above average when it came to, to swinging strikes and above average when it came to walks. So, you know, that, that's kind of what you're looking for. Um, you know, he may give up a few too many homers, but in, in case what happens at the plate, he's above average in all respects. If he gets 180 innings and does what he did last year, he should have 180 strikeouts. Uh, his name is Chase Anderson. Nice. Another one of your And boys. I know that people, I know that people are talking about, oh, he's got a meatball, um, fastball. I, I don't, I don't see it. He averaged average velocity last year at 91. Um, he was talking about uh, being 91 and a half, 92 this year. Um, he's he's adding the two seamer to improve his ground ball rate to 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 work on those homers. Uh, and he struck out you know eight guys per nine last year. And you know he's got such a good changeup that I think 91 plays. Um, I agree. He's got, he's got two changeups and he's got a big old curveball. It's it's not 98, um, 88, 78, but it's you know, 91, 81, 75, you know, so it's, he's still got three big three you know, differences. Yeah. And he's got, he's got things that bend in each direction. Uh, he's got good command of the pitches. And I think he has better command coming because he was actually 
frankly, way above average in, in walks um, in the minors. So um, I, I think that he'll, he'll actually do better with command this year, keep his strikeout rate, um, and be – and better and be better than the predictions. Be better than the fans' projections, and be a, a three, six, three, seven guy with a one two, one two five whip and uh, eight strikeouts per nine. I like it. I like the call. Obviously, we've talked about him. Um, he, he's one of your boys. You've got me on that uh, on that train with you. I botched my NL only auction last week and 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 totally messed up on on starting pitchers where I I just kept passing on the studs because I thought they were going too high to the point that there were no studs left and uh, I didn't have any. I couldn't even spend all my money because there was not enough talent to get. So I really screwed it up. However, I was able to get a couple of your faves, Chase Anderson and Anthony Descalfani. So I'm really hoping you're right on both of them because I'm going to need some help in that league, at least pitching-wise. My offense is still dope. Um, but my guy is Shane Green, and uh, yeah, it's another Tiger, folks. Drink it in. It's really nice, I know. Um, <laughs> I swear, this was just not on purpose. It's so ridiculous, though, how, how many I, I have picked uh, associated with my favorite team. But he had 9.3 strikeouts per, per nine last year and is, is 79 innings. Uh, the, the stuff all moves. I mean, it, the swinging strike rate uh, is already in place. I think I think that he can definitely kind of continue at this clip here. He's going to get the chance for the innings. If As long as he can hold up, the innings are going to be there for him because it's not like the Tigers are loaded with arms. That first off, they already put one on the shelf. We talked about that uh, at the beginning of the show with, with uh, Verlander. So he's going to have the chances there. And again, you talked about spring training. If you are going to look at one thing, maybe strikeouts and walks is, is something you'd look at. Well, he's got 14 and his 13 and two-thirds with just three walks as well. So I like what he's been shown in spring as well. Big Shane Green fan. Love this acquisition. But I can honestly tell you that I would have picked him even if he was still a Yankee. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got we, we to gotta go. Oh, no. You want to say – you probably want to say something. No, about no, it no, quickly. I, that was a good pick. Good pick. Okay. Thank you. Let's move over to closers now. And this one's interesting uh, because we're going to do 40 and 30 because 40 would be the guy who – Probably it's probably going to be somebody who we think is going to have it all year and, and run with it. 30 is leaves a little bit, little bit more wiggle room. You could really do that in five months. So it could be somebody who is going to take the job down the line um, and, and, and rally that way. So first off, let's start with a 40 save guy and let's see who did that last year. Sorry, I'm, sh I'm shifting between tabs. Just the one guy, just K-Rod. Uh, obviously kind of came out of nowhere. Jim Henderson was supposed to have that job. He fizzled. K-Rod took it and ran. Um, 40 saves after pick 200. Who you got? Well, like you said, it has to be somebody who's going to take the job and, and do it all year. So I really only found two guys that are slated yes. to. Yes, and so you get one and I get one. Who did you take? <laughs> well, I definitely don't want Joe Nathan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. So you're going to take the good one. Well, actually, there, I think that if we count Joe Nathan, there's three. Okay. So I saw Joe Nathan. I saw a guy who has a little bit of homeritis and uh, I'm a little bit worried about. And then I saw Brett Cecil, who has the best curveball. Oh, okay. Uh, had the best curveball whiff rate in baseball last year. No, no. Barn yeah. I, I, Cecil was on my list, but you haven't named my guy yet. So I, th I think I'm going to be clean here. Go ahead. There might be, there might be four because uh, the other guy, I guess, then is Addison Reed. Um, who uh, these the, these are the closers that went after 200. Mm -hmm. So uh, Joe Nathan, we've talked about. Addison Reed, I, I I don't know what it is. Um, you know, he's fastball slider. Maybe he hangs those sliders for whatever reason. 
He's so far had a home run problem his whole career. It, and, it, you know, if you're underwhelmed by Brett Cecil's numbers at all, uh, especially his career numbers, that's because you're looking at his career st- numbers where, where he was starting. Um, ever since he went to the pen full time, he's 93 miles an hour and been lights out. 93 with the best curveball whiff rate in baseball. Um, he throws it a ton, but, you know, it's, it's really working. Lots of strikeouts. He's totally a, a great closer for me. I think he's going to have it all year. I absolutely agree. There were two guys from that division that I that I believed were the were the two, and I thought you'd pick one and I'd take the other. Mine might be a little bit more off the board then because some people might think he's going to lose his job, but I think Brad Boxberger is going to hold it and keep it all year, and not necessarily for anything negative against McGee, but just the fact that I think Boxberger's a beast and uh, he's going to be so good that it's going to be don't fix what isn't broken sort of scenario. And he's he's going at pick two fifty three right now. He has been named the the, the fill in closer. It didn't go to Frieri or, or Jepson or Balfour or one of the other 48 other former closers that they have, they went with the best guy. So I think he's just going to hold it all year. McGee was a guy I was buying in on, uh, but the more I, I kind of looked at Boxberger, I, the more I got sold and just also the fact that we just don't really know what with uh, McGee's elbow injury, what, what's going on. You know, he's going to throw a bullpen, I think, next week. Uh, so we, we'll, we'll keep seeing him progress. But I think Boxberger is going to hold it. He was amazing last year. A uh, little bit of a homer issue, as you mentioned with uh, – uh, you mentioned Reed has that. Boxberger has, has had it throughout his career a little bit. So that's the one uh, flying the ointment that could mess with him because that's the last thing you can do as a closer. You can't give up the long ball. So uh, that's a little bit shaky. But I think he develops a little bit, cuts that out a little, and uh, holds the job all year. Yeah, that's a great pick. I had him for 30-plus. I mean – uh, managers pick lefty relievers half about half as often as they should, given the population. I think it has to do with uh, what do you do then for your loogie and your and yeah. your lefty setup guy. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, and and the team hasn't been like you know gung ho with McGee in the past. You know, he hasn't been made the closer. He hasn't even done a full season of closing, even though he's been a great reliever for them. So I think that's a decent pick. And then you know, I had him in the 30, 30 save grouping. Um, you just to keep this going. You mentioned that last year, uh, Britton, Melanson, um, Mejia, and uh, did it, and Mejia and Rendon were really close to 28 and 29. Um, I think this year, uh, guys like that. Um, I've been pimping Ottavino everywhere. Yes, and um, I've been following that since since you yeah. started pimping him. And then I saw him on MLB Network, and he and just he's so cool and smart about the yeah. game. Blew me away. Love that guy. Yeah, I, mean, I think he can use the two sliders effectively. He's going to be doing a little bit more of the kind of curveball slider approach because um, he can throw both of those. Um, and then uh, I, I think um, Sean Marshall in, in – in, not Sean Marshall, Evan Marshall? Yes, Evan in, Marshall. Um, in Arizona is the best guy to come up on Reed. And, you know, honestly, I, I, if I was running the team, Reed would probably be on safer setting than he is, than I think, in real life. Ditto. Uh, because I, I've just seen what they've done with Reed and how they've he's almost lost a job multiple times. Um, they, they've taken him out of the role for breaks and mental breaks and this and that. And, you know, he is a guy that, kind of like Boxberger, that would be high strikeout, low walk, high homer. And I guess, you know, in Tampa, that probably is a less of a big deal than it is in Arizona. So I think Marshall has the tools to, to maybe take that. I'm not as sure about Marshall as I am about Adovino. 
those are my two favorite uh, guys this year. I like both. Um, obviously, those two teams are kind of in flux, so they, they should be open to making moves like that and getting their best guys in there. Uh, I had a couple names. I had one super off-the-radar name that I didn't have the sack to really say is my top guy. It's Tim Lincecum uh, because <laughs> I don't really buy Casilla, and I still think that Lincecum has a second act in the bullpen. But, yeah, like I said, I didn't really have the, the full stones to say that's my 100% guy. So I actually go with uh, uh, Joe Kim Soria uh, for the Tigers. And, and that one might be not even a homer because that one's just an easy pick, to be quite honest, because I don't <laughs> believe in Nathan at all. And uh, the guy I would have picked Bruce Rondon, to be honest, but he's already dealing with injury. And so either way, I was picking a Tiger for this one. But uh, Sergio Romo would be another potential to get the job back from Casilla uh, if my if my little Lincecum gambit there failed. So but Soria is the guy I've been taking him. Um, for the last couple weeks, the last two weeks of draft season that I've seen, both in my own and others that I've uh, you know viewed after the fact, Soria's been going ahead of Nathan regularly, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, it yeah. just speaks to how bad Nathan is. So um, I think he's kind of an easy pick. He needs to stay healthy, of course, and he wasn't great with the Tigers when he got there, but it was a small sample. He was excellent with uh, with the Rangers, so I'm not too worried about that, that small performance with the Tigers. As long as he's healthy, I think Soria is eventually going to take that job, run with it, and pop at least 30 saves. All right, now yeah, – What's Sorry? He was on my list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and he's come out in spring and, and, and pitched well. Eight, eight clean innings, eight strikeouts. You know, like I said, kind of an easy one. I, I, I copped out there maybe a little bit, but sometimes the easiest answer is the correct one. And now for our last part here, I know we're going a little bit long. This one will be quick here. Two, two different things. Uh, we're going to go really bold here, and we're going to pick somebody who could win the MVP and Cy Young in that in that uh, 200 or later pick stretch. Obviously, we had the Cy Young winner last year, Corey Kluber, do it. So it's not impossible. MVP would probably be tougher, but I think it's going to be fun. So who do you think could 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 rise up, have that huge breakout season, and win the MVP as a as a 200 or later pick? I just don't. I don't see like I don't see MVP coming out of these these. It's so places. hard with MVP. Cy Young much easier to to envision. MVPs are- MVPs are, are top of the, you know, the, the top of the lineup. I mean, the middle of the lineup, you know, number three hitters on the best teams. And, you know, the, they aren't guys that come out of nowhere. Those guys win other different kinds of awards or whatever, get good contracts. But uh, the only guy that I saw down there that I thought was, you know, Mark Teixeira. If Mark Teixeira, you know, hit, you know, he played for 600, 650 plate appearances, you know, hit 32 homers, hit two, 280 uh, had a hundred RBI, some of the old the old school stats, mm-hmm. and the Yankees made the postseason. I could see him getting an MVP. Sure, that and that's like I said. I know that it's really tough with the MVP, but I just thought it'd be fun to maybe throw out a couple names. For me, uh, it's a guy I already talked about, and Avisel Garcia. And we already talked about how he could get moved into that 3-4 spot there where, where most MVPs are found. Obviously, it would take a lot of skills progression for him. These are long shots. Please do not go in the comments and say, I don't think Alvisio Garcia is going to win MVP this year. I don't really either. But I'm trying to pick a name <laughs> of somebody who could ha- could rise up, have that crazy huge season, and then all of a sudden he finds himself at least as a down ballot guy. Because honestly, I don't even know if he had that amazing season like some 
3,100 with a, with a 295 average and, and 98 runs scored. I don't even know if that'd be enough. I still think Trout would beat him out. He would just be a down ballot guy, uh, you know, who's like win, who like wins the silver slugger or something. They, or, or like the Hank Aaron award. They give him something, but not quite the MVP. So, uh, you know, we're not saying that these are going to happen. Keep that in mind. But uh, I do think he, I do think he has the talent to kind of be that across the board super stud, and maybe he rises up at age 24 and, and just kills it. Uh, but yeah, not betting on it. Don't go put your money on it. Uh, the the Cy Young, like I said, we already saw it last year. It's just going to be a lot easier for somebody to rise up as as somebody uh, off the map and and pitch to a Cy Young caliber season. Still a long shot, but much more plausible. And who did you come up with for that? I think you still need the innings. Mm-hmm. I think you need, mm-hmm. uh, because you need to, you need to win. You need to win, you know, even in these days, you need to win 15, 16 games and you need to have, you know, 180 to 200 strikeouts. So it's Drew Hutchinson, for, Hutchison for me. Nice. Um, because I just, I think you, I think you need to hit that 200 Ks. Um, and that's my 200 K pick. So I like, I it. think that he's the guy that, that can put it together. Plus, you know, there's always narrative to consider, to consider. And if he does break out in this way, then he gives his team the ACE they need. They have the old guys to be the middle of the rotation. They have the great offense. I think they're going to put together a good bullpen, especially with, I think that's why they let Roberto Azuna, um, the, uh, the the young guy that's and Miguel 20, Castro. A pair of and Miguel Castro. That's, that's why they let those guys in because they're like, hey, this is our window right now. You guys need to be in our bullpen. Those are oh by the way, those are, I like Osuna a lot for SP eligible holds. But um any case, uh I think that team could if Hutchinson does break out, the team will win a lot. And that's how you get yourself a, a Cy Young. Very strong. Uh, I like it. And in fact, I almost went with one of his teammates there, uh, Daniel Norris, another young guy. Obviously, I think Hutchison has already shown that, you know, he's going to be the guy who can make those 33 starts, whereas we haven't really seen much from Norris. So his would be probably a bigger rise up. So will my actual pick, though. But the talent is there. And I just love this guy. I know he's also having a big spring. And that's Taiwan Walker. And, you know, it'd be tough for him to kind of rise up and actually beat his teammate. I'm not even sure that he could be Cy Young on his own <laughs> team. But again, we're, we're, we're picking some long shot picks here. And I'm saying that the talent is there that if he put if he if he puts it all together or, or kind of continues to stay put together the way he's been this spring, uh, maybe not to an 030 uh, 036 ERA. I don't think he's going to do that for a full season as he's done for his 25 spring training innings. But he's been amazing. He's got the strikeout stuff. He's got the devastating uh, stuff. It's there. It's just can he can he hold up? Can he really give us the 33 and, starts yeah it's the innings because last year he had 111 1620 130 innings altogether exactly. so so th- th- that's oh. that's where it's tough with both the and, MVP and Cy Young picks because they've just got to take such a step forward from that that 200 pick or beyond because that's just a certain level of talent there but I think we did a good job with it you know I really enjoyed doing this I know we ran a little long but uh hey Last one before the season starts. By the time we come back on next Tuesday, we'll be talking about games. We'll be talking about stats that matter. Yay. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you go. Girlfriend's about to get home. Then we're going to go eat. So I'm, I'm starving. Uh, but I'll get this posted before we leave. And then uh, and then we'll be back in a couple days, you know. All right. Have a great weekend. Season. Week.